Well, we have a listener who has $2,600 and wants to know how he can double that. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, what do you think? What would you do if you had $2,600 and wanted to double it? Can it be done? Well, yes, it can. Hey, we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Our sponsor today is Harry's. Harry's Razors, got a special offer for you. Tell you about the brand new handle that they've got coming up here in just a little bit. Well, some of the questions we're going to be looking at today include, Dan, my daughter creates custom-made blankets for babies and kids and pets. How can she increase her income? Somebody wants to know, Dan, what books do you reread every single year? Hey, Dan, I'd like to know, how does one stay motivated once we have launched out on our own as an entrepreneur? How do we keep that going? Is it just the thrill of the start that gets you going? What happens if it becomes routine and predictable, even if successful? Now, I'm adding a whole lot in there. We'll talk about that because it's a real common question. You know, being on this entrepreneurial journey uh, gives you amazing opportunities, but also some very unique challenges. No question about it. Somebody says, Dan, how can I get out of a family-owned business? Ouch. Well, hey, we'll take a look at those things. Here's our quotation for today. Now, I mentioned this in last week's podcast and never really unpacked it. The, the question being, do I have to be great to succeed? So I'm going to start off with that question today. Do I have to be great to succeed? But our quotation comes from David Foster. Now, he's the music producer, arranger guy. He says, I was good, but not great. I'm going to just leave you with that for right now. That's the quotation. I was good, but not great. Is that a handicap or perhaps another unique opportunity? That's exactly how we're going to unpack that, looking at it in that way. Well, hey, before I go into that, I do want to talk about Harry's. That's where I get my razors. That's where I get gifts for people all year long. They just introduced a brand new shaving razor handle that uh, because of some of our questions and input, they introduced one. It's kind of a rubberized grip, got some rough places on it where you can grip it. So if you're shaving your bald head like my son Jared does or shaving your legs in the bathtub like my daughter Ashley does, it's a lot easier to grip. So in addition to the killer blades that they've got, you can also now have a a handle that you can easily hang on to. So go to harrys.com slash 48 days. They've got a unique landing page there for us. You can go there right now to redeem your $5 off your first purchase. Again, that's harrys.com slash 48 days. Also want to tell you about my friends over at Fresh Books. Now, a lot of you who have small businesses you know, struggle like I do with the administrative side of things. You struggle with the details, the paperwork. Wow, one of those things being, how do you even invoice somebody where it looks sharp and clean? Well, FreshBooks makes it really, really easy to do that. You can track your cash flow, track your expenses. They'll give you a 30-day free trial startup to check it out. I encourage you to do that. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days. 
Again, that's freshbooks.com slash 48 days. Well, Troy asked the question. Now, here's the question. And more than once when answering a question about someone looking to find a way to turn their passion into profit, you've told them to think about ways that are not directly in line with their passion, but are still in the field. For example, the drummer with a passion for music who now makes custom drum sticks. That would be our friend uh, Jeff Jones, who was with Big Daddy Weave for years, and now he's out on his own as a speaker, but he does custom drum sticks. So Troy says, I took up running about four years ago. I'm not the fastest runner, but I enjoy it greatly. However, I serve as a mentor for new runners, helping them run their first or fastest 5K or getting them up to new distances such as a half marathon. I do this mentoring as part of programs with a local running store and have gained many new friends. The people I mentor love my positive attitude and strong energy that I share and frequently comment on those aspects. In fact, I really have a passion for all things health and fitness, but especially love helping others reach new physical goals. As I know, as you know, I also write and speak, which could possibly be considered in relation to the passion. So after a long explanation, here's a question. Do you have any thoughts on how I might turn this passion for helping others with fitness, especially running, into a way to make a living? Sure. Absolutely. Now, I want to reference a story about David Foster. I mean, there's a PBS special out there that you can find on the music of David Foster. It's called Hitman, David Foster and Friends. Now, as, as the host asked David about his early years in music, one response really kind of just jumped out at me. David said he loved music as a child, and his parents allowed him to take lessons in classical music. But David said, now this is the, this is the killer phrase. David said, I was good, but not great. Now, he went on to explain that if he had been a better musician, he would likely have ended up as an anonymous face in some orchestra. But not being great forced him to look for other ways to be involved in music. So he writes and produces for other musicians. Of course, it's been said that Foster's songs have made many famous singers into superstars. His songs have become well-known through the voices of Celine Dion, Barbara Streisand, Andrea Bocelli, Josh Groban, Whitney Houston, Madonna, Michael Bublé, Gally Holt goes on and on. And his own fame and fortune has far surpassed what he could have possibly hoped for in his own career as a great musician. Now that's the interesting point. Now I want to just give you a couple other things to think about here. And Troy, I think you're right on track. I think you can do something aligned with running even if you're not the best runner in the world to absolutely explode your success if we think about things that are commonly known to be areas of opportunity let's let's just take computer programming as an example we know that in the last 15 years that's been a really great business opportunity well what happens if you're one more computer programmer and you're sitting at a desk hunched over with your hands on a keyboard for eight or ten hours a day what does that make you feel like physically? Now, some of you are probably stretching and moving around just hearing me talk about that. You know what happens. You get tense in the shoulders. Your neck tightens up. You might get cramps in your hands or get carpal tunnel syndrome. That's why in the last 10 years, we've had a quadrupling of massage therapists. They came alongside a recognized trend, but instead of trying to do that, they addressed a need developed by that new area of opportunity. Here's another one. This goes way back. I mean, way back in 1848, there was the gold rush in, San, well, just outside of San Francisco, uh, Fort Sumter. But 
with that gold rush, a whole lot of people ran out there, you know, digging in the mountains, trying to find gold. Samuel Brannon was a young 26-year-old who saw an opportunity in that. He opened a little supply store right at the base of some of those hills, and he started selling picks and shovels and gloves and blue jeans and beef jerky, the kind of things that the, the, the gold miners would need. Well, he got on a train, went back to San Francisco, you know, about 100 miles away, and he got off the train waving a little bag of gold. He said, there's more of this in the hills than you can haul out in wheelbarrows. Now, where do you think he got that gold? He didn't mine for it. He didn't find it. He bought it, but he took it back as an enticement. And we're told that within 90 days, 75% of the male population of San Francisco had left town and gone to search for gold. Samuel Brennan went back to his little shop. He became the very first bona fide millionaire produced by the gold rush, and he didn't look for gold at all. He sold supplies to all those rabid guys who were trying to find the next little gold vein. I love that story, and that's really an example oftentimes of where our greatest success is. Not right in the direct limelight, but just off to center a little bit, and yet finding an opportunity there. In The Millionaire Mind, the book that I reference a lot, written by Dr. Thomas Stanley, he looked at the common characteristics of people who ended up extremely wealthy. Now, here's the irony. We would think that, well, the ones at the very top are the ones that got a 4.0 GPA in school. No, that's not what he found at all. Those who ended up as decamillionaires worth at least $10 million, their average GPA was 2.7. Now, why is it that 4.0 students don't become the most successful? It's because maybe their greatness came too easily and they missed the benefits of the struggle. Meaning, if you, get a, if you go to Vanderbilt University right here in Nashville, you get a 4.0, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be invited to go to law school, to dental school, to medical school, divinity school, pharmacology, whatever, whatever you know, MBA. It's one of those because you obviously have proven your ability academically, and so the easy path is just to move right into a graduate program. And you end up being one more attorney, one more dentist, one more physician. Now, I'm not diminishing the value of that, but there's a whole lot of attorneys in this town. I know attorneys who are working at Kinko's making $12 an hour because they never found anything to apply their JD to once they got it. What happens to those poor suckers who come through school and only have a 2.7? Well, they're forced to look for other opportunities. And a lot of times they find something that is uniquely suited to them and knock it out of the park in terms of success. In The Millionaire Mind, Thomas Stanley you know, talks about some of the unique ideas. I mean, a guy who started buying discarded fabric from fabric stores and he makes undergarments, makes shorts for prison inmates. Well, it's, a, it's a, not a real common idea you don't have somebody tell you on in a list of occupational titles that that's what you ought to do you ought to make boxer shorts for prison inmates well he's become extremely wealthy by doing that there's a guy who buys old truck parts walks around his old junkyard and his overalls every day and he's a bazillionaire because he finds hard to find truck parts for people who own trucks i mean those are the kind of things that often come out of not being 
lined up exactly with the stars, so to speak, where you can just follow the next big trend, but you find an opportunity that is lined up close to that. So that's the thing. Maybe not being great is in fact your biggest hidden asset. And thus we can go back to that quotation from David Foster. I was good, but not great. A great question, Troy. Great way to get us started off here today. Okay, now this comes from uh, this comes from Dean in Salem, Oregon, who says, "My 23-year-old daughter Chantel, married with a 21-month-old boy, recently got fired. With her husband still in firefighter school, this was a major blow. I've been encouraging her with Dan Miller wisdom for quite some time now. It's been paying off. Her desires to be a stay-at-home mom. I encouraged her to look at this as a blessing." The, the lean on Christ and the focus on her part-time business that she started last year. Her business is called Wildwood Knots. She creates custom-made blankets for babies, kids, and pets. She currently promotes on Facebook, Instagram, and Etsy. We're trying to find ways to increase her reach and offerings. Any advice would be appreciated and how to help her replace her $1,500 $1, a month income. Love all you do. Well, Dean, thanks for your note. Thanks for that um, kind note about passing on things that I say to your daughter. Yeah, there are things she can do. Now, let me give you a couple examples here. You know what? I've got a little clip from Jim Cochran that I'm going to play as well because it really ties in here. But before I do that, let me kind of set this up. When you are doing something like making custom-made blankets for babies, kids, and pets, that's very time and labor-intensive. It's not scalable in that if she got orders tonight for a thousand of those, it wouldn't increase her income by a thousand times because there's no way she could produce and deliver them. It takes a lot of time and effort to do that. But here's an example. And I think I referenced this in this little interview I just did with Jim Cochran, but there's a couple whose names are Cinnamon and Jason Miles who have a company who have a site online called Liberty Jane. Now when Cinnamon was a little girl. She loved having her doll babies and would play with them and she'd make them her little, make clothing for them. Well, she grew up and became a mom, you know, and goes on to being, doing things that are responsible. But then she had little girls and her little girls had doll babies. And she, she started making this beautiful clothing for her little girls' doll babies. Well, people would comment on that. Wow, can I buy one of those for my daughter? So she started putting them up on things like you're talking about, Instagram, Etsy, Amazon, and people would just buy anything she put up. So they'd come home from church on a Sunday night. Jason would jump online. Golly, they got orders for 20 more dresses. And someone would say, well, you know, that sounds wonderful, but I got to stay up all night to make those and deliver them. I can't do that. What she did was started making patterns for doll clothing. Patterns. Now think about how that works. She makes one real dress and shows that. And people go, ooh, ah, that's awesome. And then she shows them the pattern where they can do that themselves. She sells nothing but patterns. I mean, the patterns are like $4.95. But in selling the patterns, but now moving from a physical product to a digital product where that can be delivered at 2 a.m. when somebody orders it because it doesn't require any more time on Cinnamon's part to do that. I mean, they're doing $800,000 a year in selling patterns but they moved from doing the physical products to just selling the patterns. Now that's the way you have to look at this. How could you take some of the expertise that you have, that Chantel has, 
and turn that into something that is more scalable where she could do it one time and sell it a thousand times rather than every single thing that she does she does it once and sells it once that's the way you have to move out of that now i want you to jump in here i want you to listen to this little jim cochran clip here now jim is the one he is the most knowledgeable person in this amazon ebay selling space that i know on the face of the earth his book silent sales machine continues to be the standard for how to get in there and i'm going to tell you how to get that as soon as we finish with this little interview but he is the master i was privileged to speak at his conference last year conference that sold out in 24 hours ces conference in louisville kentucky listen to what jim has to say because i asked him about this idea of being able to sell online well jim i'm delighted to have you on here for a few minutes today i've been promising my audience that i'd bring you on because there's so many people in my podcast audience who would love to have just that little side business but because of the way they think a lot of times they don't do the research they don't focus so they just continue to have a little hit or miss side business and then decide well this can't be done now you have rocked it you are the guru when it comes to selling on amazon and ebay so first of all just thanks for taking the time to chat with us today oh thank you it's my honor dan you know that oh golly now one of the things that i know you have done which is an unusual business model is to write the same book year after year after year where you just update it Tell our listeners what that book is and how that experience has worked for you because it it defies everything we know about how to get a book out there and how to work with the publisher. Yeah, you know, the the world of publishing has been turned on its head. And uh, we're in year, I'm coming up on 15 years now, Dan, that I've written the same book over and over. We've updated it nine times, basically. And it's done really well for me. And thank you for allowing me to plug my book right off the bat. That's cool of you. But uh, (laughs) rather than give the title off, right away. Let's just make it about the topic that you just introduced. Writing the same book over and over, what it's allowed me to do is serve my audience in a way that they're not used to being served. You see, when I wrote this book the first time and then I updated it, I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to give it to everyone who bought version one and give it away to all of them. I did not anticipate the level of excitement and enthusiasm. People were just, they became lifetime loyal. This is now 13, 14 years ago. They became lifetime loyal Anytime you update that book in the future, I'm going to get an update, Jim. That's so cool. And here, every 18 months or so, they get another email. Hey, we've rewritten the book. Here it is for free. I've taken out all the outdated information. You know, technology changes. It's an internet marketing and internet business book. So the technology changes, and I have new success stories. I share those, and we drop it on their lap every 18 months or so. And people just go nuts. And now I've got this branding of this book is associated with me in such a strong way and people recognize it. And I've had some people come up to me and just like, Oh, I read that book 10 years ago. That's a powerful thing, you know? So, um, that, that's been my philosophy. I just encourage you. It's not about cranking out one hit wonder after one hit wonder and trying to have, you know, multiple home runs, write one good book, put your heart into it and keep it updated and serve that audience. And here's the magic, Dan, long answer about some of this. I turned my readers into my marketing staff Oh my! because I'm serving them so well and they're anticipating that next update. And when it comes, boy, they tell their friends because here I just give them this free book and they go, they tell their friends and family, Hey, check this out. This is good stuff. It's only $5. That's another tip. Very low price. It's worth a hundred. I only charge five. It's a no brainer experience. 
So, I mean, I could talk all day, it, it, but it's been the core of my business. It's the top of my funnel, if you will. Well, I love that. And, of course, now we can't keep people just hanging on the edge of their seats. You've got them tantalized, so you got to go ahead and tell them what the book is. If silent you- Sales Machine. Thank you, sir. If you just <laughs> Google Silent Sales Machine, you can look for it on Amazon. You can yeah. go to com. It's everywhere. Uh, it's been around a long time. There's a lot of links to it and content. And just, it started off as a little simple sales page and a 20-page book well, 15, almost 15 years ago. I love that model. It, it is. It's counterintuitive what you've done. But, you know, a lot of things that we see have extraordinary success are disruptive in how they come into the marketplace. You look at what Uber is doing or Airbnb. They're changing the way things have been expected to be done. And because of that, yeah. they're having extraordinary success. So I, you, I love that word disruptive. Uh, you, know, you know, Dan, it doesn't have to be complex to be disruptive. It, what I, the process I just described, sometimes all you have to do to be disruptive is to be consistent. Wow. Over a long stretch of time, yeah. Yeah. which is the definition of trust, right? Which is one of the most sought-after assets we can have as business owners is the trust of our audience. If you want to establish trust, be consistent over a long period of time. You will leave your competitors in the dust every time. Oh, my Boy, that's a great point. Well, Jim, your, your expertise, absolutely, your expertise in the silent sales machine is doing things online, and you have coached thousands of people to do that. And I've seen how people respect you when you announce your annual conference, and it sells out in 24 hours. You know, I had the pleasure of being there with you last year. What an amazing group of people who oh, are... Oh, you did great. I've borrowed some of your stories. You have such <laughs> great stories, Dan. Your audience is so blessed to have you as a mentor. I, I've, I've borrowed a few of them. I give you credit uh, uh, because you, just, you tell such amazing stories to illustrate you know, the, the story, and I won't tell it now, but you know, the rabbi and the Roman soldier, I've used that one 10 times now. Oh, that's great. <laughs> such a great story. Why are you here? Who are you um, and why are you, you know, here? Who are you and why are you here? I, yeah, that's, what a great question to ask yourself every day. Well, one of the things that people know is kind of lurking out there, they hear these stories about people making money on Amazon and eBay, and yet they think it's probably big and complex. Give us a couple examples of people who have had unusual areas of expertise, unusual products perhaps, but a clear focus that's led to extraordinary success. Yeah, I I am a student of legitimate long-term business ideas that I can teach to a lot of people and it's going to work for literally everyone. There's not a very big list of ideas that meet those specs. It's a pretty short list, but the one that's at the top is selling physical products on, it used to be eBay. Now it's Amazon. I mean, we've got story after story. I've got a, there's a young man who lives literally lives in Jamaica on the Island where there's no jobs unless you're involved in tourism. He works for the electric company. His name's Barrington. He took our course and started selling on Amazon. He's now globally selling more coffee online than anyone else I know of. Uh, from, from the island of Jamaica, there's no Amazon warehouses in Jamaica. This is an international opportunity. He's selling all over the world. He's now importing and exporting cars. I mean, it's an incredible story of a guy whose life went from, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month with his best prospect to he's paying all cash now, building a house in Jamaica for his family with special needs, daughter, that he flies to Miami every time she needs a treatment wow. without even thinking about it now. And it's all Amazon. I mean, that's just a matter of a few years. Um, another buddy of mine, Brett, youth pastor in LA, had 400 bucks in the bank. He's now my business partner. He's got a 10-figure business selling physical product on Amazon. And here's the good part, Dan. He never touches 
his product. He doesn't touch box tape. He has a team. He's outsourced all of this. We keep these concepts. Selling physical product doesn't mean having a garage full of stuff and your wife wondering when you're going to get rid of it. You know, we're not talking about going out and buying a bunch of stuff and filling your house with it. You can automate these systems. And and that's where we like to get real creative. But it's such a huge opportunity because so many people are shopping online now. And that didn't used to be the case. More and more now it is the case. And if you get on Amazon and start selling some product, you can ramp up very quickly with proper instruction, which is what we've been providing for about nine years. Wow. Well, I, I was so excited about talking to people in your audience when I was at your CES conference. Um, people like you know, Cinnamon and Jason Miles selling patterns. Oh, beautiful couple, yeah. For yeah. dolls. So there's not even a physical product being delivered there. It's actually digital. And yet selling it on Amazon, using the promotion, the, the exposure that they can get there, and just rocking and yeah. rolling. And then I, you know, yeah. run into a pastor and his wife who are retired, you know, in the elevator, and they're selling shoes. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You go to garage sales? Well, no, they sell all new shoes, but they buy liquidations, closeouts, put them back online. Yeah, make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. you got to be kidding me. Well, I love those so stories. So many creative. Oh, oh. our community is just full. Literally, and we've got a stack of over a thousand great success stories now of people that track their start back to, well, in a lot of cases, damn the silent sales machine book, but uh, the, the instruction that we give, and maybe you can put a link in your podcast. I don't want to give the name of the course. I'd like to put an affiliate link there so we can pay you a little bit for it. Uh. Um, but the Amazon course that we teach, it's the best in the world. We've got over a thousand success stories at this point. I mean, I literally, we could do this for three hours and put your audience to sleep at some point with success story after story after story. International, UK, Japan, Singapore is huge. You can become an international seller in a few days and be selling in other countries. It's, it's an incredible opportunity. I, I feel like right now is the best time in the history of man to be alive as an entrepreneur. Oh my, that's a strong it's, statement. It's, and I agree. Never, but I mean, but I, someone tried to argue that point. You can't. The most powerful communication tool ever invented by man, and it, not only do we have it freely available, but it's virtually free. I mean, I can go to a library if I don't have a home computer, and I can do all this. That's right. You know, and, and it's easy to think, well, that's just something, you know, I see on late-night TV. Those people are a rare, a rare breed. But you get, yeah, so many people that are doing this month after month after month. I know people, you know, increasingly people right here in Franklin, Tennessee, who are using the the resources that you provided and just rocking and rolling. It's changed their life. It's changed their family tree, you know, what they're able to do. And and I'm you not know, one. It, and it is work. Yeah, you're it's right. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, neither you nor I are guys to just put out there smoke and mirrors, you know, hey, it's a walk in a park. Next week you'll be making $50,000 a month. No, not a nope. chance. But nope. if you're mm-hmm. focused, intentional, create a clear plan, have access to the information that you really need, it can be done, and it's available for people. Well, we already mentioned yes, your, your book, Silent Sales Machine. I certainly recommend that. People can find that easily. Uh, we will put a link up to your Amazon course. I highly recommend that as well. Um, anything, any other resources you would recommend for my listeners, Jim? Well, you know, here, here's a resource I'm going to recommend to everyone listening to this right now. If you haven't got all of Dan's books at this point, what are you thinking? <laughs> You've got some great stuff out there, buddy. And if they don't have your full arsenal yet, they need to go do it. I've read most of them. And you, you're a talented, gifted leader. I consider you 
a mentor of mine, and I'm just honored to get a few minutes on your show today. Uh, I've got nothing else to value. If they haven't read all your stuff yet, do that first. That's my advice. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. I wasn't looking for a personal plug there, but I appreciate your confidence. And that, that, that's how things work in this community. You know, it's a pleasure to help each other be successful. This is not competition. It's collaboration. I love sending yes, people your way, knowing that they're going to be served well, and they can learn things that are going to transform their lives. And I appreciate the, the return. As, as another mentor of mine said, you know, it, it, the mission is bigger than the man, and both of us would agree. I've never bounced this exact line off of you before, but I can tell you, you'll agree with me. And as I say it, the world needs more successful entrepreneurs. Absolutely. We're on the same team. Absolutely. You know, the success it, it others just, have. It needs more. So if we're not competitors. We're doing we're Pulling the same plow, buddy, and I'm, it's a pleasure to work side-by-side side with you. Well, thanks. Yeah, we, we really believe that a rising tide raises all ships. There's nothing we can do to, to serve our own success better than help other people be successful. Well, a lot of good stuff there, Jim. My friend, I appreciate you spending this time with us. So tell your family hello from us. And again, thanks for being with us for a few minutes here on the 48 Days Podcast. It was mine. Thank you, sir. Well, there you go. And Jim is a great resource. Now, I'll put a couple links in the show notes today, as we mentioned in that little interview there. I'll put a link to his course. I'll also put a link to Silent Sales Machine, his book, with two free chapters that you can read. Uh, Jim is a very gracious, open-handed guy, and you can read the first two chapters. And if you think it's something that will help you, then uh, pay your five bucks for for the rest of the book and go on to your own success so delighted to bring you that information now the next one comes from this comes from uh greg who says dan i purchased 48 days to the work you love and in there you mentioned there are books that you reread every single year i received a copy of the book list from reading at 48days.com but this list does not seem to list which ones you reread every year can you point me in the right direction? Well, yeah, that list changes somewhat, and I add things to that. But uh, great books are like great friends. I keep them around, keep them close by me, and I pull them off the shelf again to spend some time with them now and then, uh, just as you would great friends. But I'll tell you some of the ones that I have read many, many times over. One is going to be How to Win Friends and Influence People, the old classic by Dale Carnegie. A more recent one is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Just why everything matters. A dramatic example in there that I used in my own life just recently to create a dramatic impact in my life. I'll maybe share that at some point. But The Compound Effect is certainly one. Viktor Frankl's old classic book, Man's Search for Meaning, is one that I reread a couple times a year. David Schwartz, The Magic of Thinking Big. That's one that I've been reading since I was probably 20 years old. So for a very long time, I've got multiple copies. They're dog-eared where I've marked it up over the years. But the magic of thinking big, just the power of, and, and this is not grandiose thinking. This is not, gee, I have to have a 10,000-square-foot mansion and a Ferrari. But no, it's how do you stretch beyond just where you tend to be kind of comfortable. And it includes things like to uh, walk faster than you normally would. I mean, if you go to the mall and sit there and watch people going by, you can tell a whole lot about the people just by watching them. And I like to see people who have a spring in their step. Be a front seater 
smile. I mean, those are the kind of things that I picked up years ago from the magic of thinking big. And then a recent one that I've read now three times is Essentialism by Greg McCowan. Essentialism. I mean, I find that I allow things to creep into my life that are just taking a lot of time that may not be really important. And it helps me be reminded of that, go back, and just streamline down to what really is important. Now, I got a question here that came in. I mentioned it at the top of the show. Just one of the questions I wanted to unpack a little bit. This came in. It's anonymous. I don't know who it was. And it's very, very brief. Uh, you'll get a kick out of this, but listen up. I have $2,600. How can I double $2,600? There you go. It was exactly two seconds long. <laughs> well, he has $2,600. How can you double that? Well, there's the old wisdom of the masters who says, if you want to double your money safely, uh, pull it out of your pocket, fold it in half and put it back in your mu- in your pocket. You just doubled your money. But if we look at more realistically, uh, there was a blog that I wrote a couple years ago where I talked about making $2,600 a month. Now, I don't know if this gentleman listened to that or if it had any connection at all or if he really does have $2,600 and wants to double it. I love this kind of question because if you are just working a job, just working, well, let me just give you some specifics here. Let's say that you make $15 an hour. So you're going to be making $31,000 a year. So you get a cost of living increase of three to 4%. I mean, that's not going to significantly change your financial position. You can do a great job and, you know, ask for a 5% increase instead of that, three or 4%, but even a 10% raise is going to, it's going to take you eight years to double your income to $62,000. That's eight years out. Doubling your pay in an hourly position is really probably not going to happen unless you bring some brand new skills to the table. So a better question would be if you want to, if you're making $31,000 a month or a year and you want to double your income, that is $2,600 a month. So how could you make $2,600 a month? And the ideas that I look for are ideas where you don't even have to have the original $2,600. Let's just start month one with zero. What could you do to get $2,600 in profit the very first month? Well, what if you found 10 yards to mow? Let's, let's say that you've got a, a mower that's a decent mower already for your own yard. You find 10 yards to mow weekly at $60 each. Boom, there's your $2,600. And what if you spent, well, let's say you'd take half of that money. So you spend $1,300 on old silver at garage and estate sales. You clean it up, you know the market, and you double investment by selling that on eBay or Amazon, like we were just talking about. So you could easily take that $2,600 and double it. Spend the whole $2,600 on silver at garage sales and estate sales. If you know what you're doing, sure, you can double it. I mean, there are a lot of things that are sold for pennies at, at garage sales and estate sales because people are just getting rid of it. doesn't mean you're taking advantage of them, but you know the market. You do the research. You position it well, and you can double, triple, and quintuple your investments. Um, certainly, you could buy a fixer-upper in this uh, wild real estate market. There's still a lot of deals out there, something where I, I had some guys just this last week do this real beautiful little stone bridge as part of our sidewalk and integrated as part of a water feature we have in front of our house. It's really gorgeous. Well, I'm talking to the guys from Kenya, incidentally. Speaks eight languages. Now, this is, this is the deal. 
You know, people complaining about no opportunities, blah, blah, blah. This guy came over here from Kenya. So he's got a lot of strikes against him, but he's brilliant in his thinking. So he's just an entrepreneur. He's just finding things that people want done and doing them. I mean, the little stone bridge that he built for me, I paid him $4,000 for that. Well, he's making a whole lot more money than a whole lot of people who have been here for many, many years and are working in very respectable jobs. I mean, it took him about four days to do that. So, well, yeah, really, it's a thousand bucks a day. Now, there was a little bit of materials involved, but not a whole lot. It was basically labor. But the guy speaks eight languages. But what he really wants to do is buy a house, use all of his skills. So his carpenter skills, electrical, mechanical, plumbing, all the skills and stonework that he has, and do a dramatic makeover of one house. Well, sure, he can make $50,000 in one fell swoop if he really buys something right, does what he does well, and it is appropriate for the neighborhood. Sure, so you can make a big chunk all at once. I mean, you could, um, let's see, $2,600 in a month. You could, what if you were the graffiti removal expert in your town? So you get 10 contracts, or $260. Yeah, 10 contracts, $260 a month to keep a building graffiti free. I mean, that's a real opportunity. I mean, there are parts of town where people are concerned about graffiti being put up. There was, uh, we lived just uh, about a mile from where we currently live and real near us, there was a one lane underpass where you go underneath the railroad on Wilson Pike here in Franklin, Tennessee. It's a really beautiful road, but it the road curves and you go underneath the railroad and it's only one car width wide. So you have to kind of get in a position where you can peek through, toot your horn, hope nobody's coming and go through. Well, you're also going at a very, very slow speed and you have these walls, concrete walls right next to you. Well, the local gang members and kids who wanted to write profanity and obscenities and all that, you know, would spray paint on the walls of that. And it was, it was a common feature. Well, I decided I was going to take it upon me, myself, to just take care of that. Now, it would take them a long time, you know, to be real creative and do the fine work with the little brushes and air spraying and all that to create their gang logos and all that. I'd show up the next morning. I bought cases of white spray paint from Home Depot that I had in the back of my SUV. So they'd do their work. I'd come along. It'd take me five minutes to cover the whole thing in white paint. Well, that went on for probably three or four months where they'd come back and redo that. But pretty soon it became pretty obvious that some dude was going to come along the next morning and cover the whole thing up. That was me. I just did that. And over a period of time, we weaned those graffiti artists totally from using that area. And it, it, I went through there the other day and it's perfectly clear. I mean, we taught them, don't mess with this neighborhood. Well, anyway, you could, I mean, that's a literal thing you could do to volunteer or volunteer actually to get paid to keep a building side. I mean, there are sides that are pretty prominent, easy access for kids. And if you just become the graffiti removal expert, yeah, you can get paid for doing that. I mean, you could set up to sell uh, kettle corn. At local fairs, festivals, fundraisers, church events. I mean, you book three events a month where you could reasonably expect to net $850. There's $2,600. That's the way I look at that kind of thing. Wow. How could you just take what you are skilled at? I mean, that's the way to look at that. If you have $2,600 to want to double it, you know, don't invest in the stock market that you know nothing about. You know, don't give it to some guy who says he's going to go to Vegas because he knows how to count the numbers. 
do something you know about, care about, and already understand. That's what you have to do. All right, a couple more. Amy says, hi, Dan, I'd like to know, how does one stay motivated once we have launched out on our own as an entrepreneur? I was working with a coach and made great progress. Now that my coaching has ended, I've noticed my motivation has decreased. It takes me longer to reach milestones and I experience more discouraging emotions. I feel like a car running out of gas while driving toward my dream vacation spot. Boy, that's a great picture. I feel like a car running out of gas while driving toward my dream vacation spot. Wow. I'm an introvert with a love language of words of affirmation. This means I enjoy working alone but thrive on outside verbal encouragement. How do you stay motivated while building my brand? Thanks for your wisdom. Well, Amy, just a couple things, just for brevity here. Set goals. I mean, that's really, really important. So you can immediately identify if you're getting off track, if you're behind schedule. Identify what you want to have, what, what you want to accomplish this year. And then you can track that month by month, week by week, day by day to see if you're getting off track. I'm my own harshest taskmaster. Nobody's looking over my shoulder telling me what I have to do. But I set those goals where I'm looking at them every day. And where I realized, wow, I said I was going to do this this month and I didn't get that finished. I need to get back on track. So you have to have that. And you have to be personally disciplined or you're never going to make it as an entrepreneur. If you need somebody to come along and whip you every morning, you know, and demand that you do something, you're not an entrepreneur. You know, just resign yourself to being part of a team where somebody else is giving you that kind of structure. The number two thing I would say beyond setting goals is get in a mastermind. I mean, that's like having your own board of directors. If it's a well-designed mastermind, those people will help keep you accountable, help keeping you focused on what it is that you want to accomplish and helping you see a vision of bigger things that you can accomplish. Landon says, thanks for your weekly wisdom. I have a fair, I have a family owned storm restoration business with several in-laws. The business is highly profitable during storm season, but if it doesn't storm, then it's not profitable. Working with family has presented a lot of different challenges and I have come to dread going to work because of the work and the family aspect. I've been a personal growth junkie for years and know I can start another business, but I have no idea what. I love impacting people and see people reach their potential and goals. Do you have any advice that would help out? Well, what I would, what I would recommend that you do is look at what are your unique skills that you have. It may be something related to what you're doing now. Now, to start with, yeah, do, do I embrace the idea of getting out of a family business that's sucking the life out of you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's only one kind of business more challenging than a partnership, and that's a family business. And I know it's really tough. It's very, very difficult to have multiple family members involved in a business. Now, can it be done? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my daughter has never worked for anybody but me been with me 11 years now. I mean, sure, I love that relationship, um, but I don't recommend it for everybody. And if you know that it's challenging and it's time to move on, you know, figure out how to value the business, how to remove yourself from that with your equity position intact, meaning you're compensated for your position of ownership. I mean, make it a reasonable business exit. Don't just walk away because it's family and you just aren't going to do, you know, just make it reasonable. I mean, they may welcome the, the idea of having you out as well. So discuss it, put it on the table, be objective about valuing the business and getting your fair share and then moving on. But 
Don't just look for an idea. Start with what you know about yourself. Just as in getting a job, 85% of the process of having a prof, confidence of proper direction comes from looking inward. So what is it that you do really well? What is it that you enjoy? How do you relate to other people? Are you better with people or with ideas and things? I mean, just look inward, get a clear sense of your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions, those things I lay out so clearly in 48 Days to the Work You Love. Then from that, then look at what would a new focus be? Now, if this is a generational family business, you probably got into it, not because it was your first choice, but because it was the family business. So this may be a really exciting, invigorating, fresh start for you to draw a line in the sand and take a look at now that you've been in a business, you have all the business acumen under your belt, but now you can go into something that you really care about, start it and make it 100% your own. I totally, totally encourage you to do just that. Barb says, approximately two to four years ago, you had a podcast that focused on lending to businesses in developing countries, oftentimes small amounts of money that made a tremendous impact on these entrepreneurs. Could you send me a link to the podcast or information about the organization? Well, Barb, I'm going to make it real easy. The organization that I mentioned and have mentioned, I actually mentioned it very recently because I made another round of lending. It's kiva.org. K-I-V-A dot org. That's the organization. And in that, I do lend small amounts of money. I mean, really, really small. I mean, I put in like $200 four or five years ago, and I just keep recircling that same dollar amount because the people, they get, I mean, I lend, 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 made a loan to a lady one time for $25 to buy an additional washing machine. Now, other people are lending to the same person, so it's a composite it may have required $200 or whatever, but my portion was 25. Well, she repaid a hundred percent of that. So then I had the $25 to lend out again. That's how it works. But yeah, go to Kiva.org and then you can choose, you can choose parts of the world where you have a particular affinity, but just uh, choose something. I tend to choose young entrepreneurs who are doing something in the automotive space. And I like guys who are getting their tools together so they can start an auto mechanic service or somebody who wants to buy a little motorcycle so they can start a delivery service of some kind I mean, those are the kind of things that i tend to be drawn to well great questions love the questions coming in hey we got a bunch of events coming up love to see you here i know a lot of you we're hearing from are coming to coaching with excellence coming up here may 12th and 13th and then may 26th and 27th innovate it's that exciting conference we brought back one time this year going to have people like uh, baker here Debbie Dearman, Ken Davis, uh, my son Jared from Costa Rica will be here. My wife Joanne and granddaughter Clara will be speaking at that. I'll be speaking as well, but helping you take your ideas and turn those into real businesses where you can get the margin in terms of time and money that we enjoy as entrepreneurs. So others that I'll be at, wow, if you're in Europe anywhere, join us in London, June 18th and 19th. New Media Europe, love to see you there. Of course, we got podcast movement coming up in Chicago, July 6th through the 8th. Uh, that'll kind of round out a series of seven conferences that I'll be attending, and then we'll get some the rest of the summer here at home in Franklin, Tennessee. And then, of course, we'll be ready for the Ultimate Advantage Cruise. Going to be leaving from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's February 12th through the 19th, 2017. Going to be an amazing time. 
again with some great speakers to share their thoughts, but a chance for all of us to share ideas, effective ways that we can live well and do good. That's the theme. Living well, doing good. Be excited to meet you there. Holler at me when we cross in the hall somewhere, when we are at a place together. Please come up and let me know that you're a podcast listener. I'd be delighted to meet you. Thanks for being part of this organization, this community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and as you know, profitable. Don't settle for less.